This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Everyone's a critic, jointly presented with Chindanan. Hello, you're listening to Everyone's a Critic. I'm Sharmila Ganesan. And for today's review, I'm joined by Dinesha Kartigesu, who is, of course, a poet and a writer. Dinesha, thank you for coming back to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to return. So we're reviewing something um, a little bit different today. It's actually a a film, uh, not a live performance as such. Uh, But that's because um, I think this film, Mantega Tarbang by Anomalous Productions, actually sits in quite an interesting space, right? It's um, made by theatre practitioners. A lot of people we see on screen are people that we're more used to seeing in theatre. And um, even the way it's being screened or or marketed is, um, you know, it doesn't have a cinema release as of yet. Instead, it's being screened in more small performance style um, venues and even the vibe is very, very theatre. So I think it fits within the vibe of this show. Um, So yes, what we're reviewing today is a film called Mantega Tarbang. It's uh, directed by Kairi Anwar and uh, produced by Anomalous Productions and Menking Entertainment. Before I get into the story, maybe very quick initial takeaways. What was your overall feel of the film? Um, so I, I like that you said that this is not a theater production and instead it's a film because it almost feels like, you know, your theater friends have now graduated to film. That's what it feels like with this with this film. Um, I think initial takeaways is, you know, and we were talking after the film, I really got struck with this idea of a group of people gathered together. That's what it felt like to me. Like you went for a potluck, um, you meet this group of uh, people and strangers and you have this conversation about religion and culture and spirituality and you leave the night that that's kind of what I left this film feeling that's actually a great um, way to describe it I think and I, I it goes back to what I started with the notion that it doesn't feel quite like a film it almost feels like I watched a, a hybrid play movie or almost um, like a filming of a play in some parts uh, now to get into the story itself um, it essentially tells a, a very self-contained story of a family um, parents and a daughter the daughter is in secondary school and the mum has been diagnosed with cancer and we sort of come into the story of this family, I think at a a fairly advanced stage in her illness. And this serves as a frame for the daughter particularly, but overall also, um, I think the rest of the family to examine questions of belief, um, faith, what comes after death. And they use just everyday life, including her friendships with, um, you know, the people around her, the people in the neighborhood to I think examine this in a very, very Malaysian context. Is that fair? Is there anything else that you want to add to that, Dinesha? No, I I think that's a very, very fair uh, choice of word. You know, Um, I think I'm curious, Sharmila, now that we've sort of given the listeners a bit of an idea on what the story is about. um, I want to ask you the same question you asked me. What was meaningful for you from this film? You know, I've had some time to think about this. And for me, the thing that keeps resonating with me is just the the movie's examination of subjects or issues that we rarely get to see given this kind of treatment. Now, how successfully they managed it or not is something we can get into later. But I think we're at a point in, in Malaysian collective culture, conversation, where even the mere fact that people bring up some of these things already feels brave and bold. Um, And so that for me stuck out. That's something that's given me a lot of 
thought, food for thought, I think. And I've gone back to some of the conversations that they've had on the show quite a bit. The other thing is that I really like that it was done through the lens of a younger person, Aisha. Uh, she's 15 years old. And, and I think that's an interesting lens through which to see all of this because it kind of allows the movie to be a little bit more naive. Uh, it, it, it quite cleverly allows the film not to have to answer some of the bigger questions it opens up. Because at the end of the day, it's being examined through someone who's still a work in progress. And that, however you walk away from it, whether you're dissatisfied that the movie didn't give you answers, or if it allowed you to also ruminate on these things, I thought that was quite a clever frame. Mm, yeah, I agree. I think definitely when you name this, this naivety and youth, right? And because I think when it's, if it's framed from, because the, the movies ask so much about dying in the afterlife, if it was basically centering someone who was older, I think the questions would be different. And I think the, the youth helps because there is space to question, you know, um, space to wonder, if you will. Did you think that perhaps um, this worked as a film? Because um, we keep going back to theatre and, and there are many reasons for this. But would you have preferred to see it as a play? So I think, and uh, what really stood out for me watching this, and you were able to give some language to it when we talked about it when we were done, is I felt like there were so many scenes that felt very believable, you know, that I felt was very authentic and very real. And I felt very um, engrossed and involved in the conversation that was happening. And what I would find a bit troubling sometimes would be, we'd have such a great scene. And then the scene right after that would, for me, feel a bit inauthentic or not quite believable. And I think you pointed that out as the fact that the film switches between a film lens and a theater lens. And so I, I don't necessarily think it would work as a theater script. But I think because a lot of the makers are coming from a theatre background, they're bringing some of that to the film. For sure. I, I kept trying to put my finger on exactly what you just said. And I think some of the, some of the movies uh, perhaps challenges is that it always feels like it's not quite sure whether it wants to be a play or a film. There are some scenes that straight up feel like you're watching a theater production, right? The, the camera is yeah. essentially just positioned static. Uh, you're watching them in a, in a one focal point and, you know, they talk and it's long takes, no editing. Um, and then it kind of shifts into being more more filmic. Uh, cameras are sort of you know moving around. Uh, there are close-ups on people's faces, and I think the shift from one to the other can sometimes be jarring. Um, however, that said, I think choosing to shoot some of the scenes like a play, uh, there are these dinner table scenes between parents uh, between the the, the family um, that doesn't feel so effective. But there are these other scenes of um, Aisha and her, her friend, Suresh, and, and a lot of them are framed on either a, a bus stop or they're stand, standing by a roadside. And using that sort of stationary um, setting to, to depict that worked really well. Uh, so I think it, it, it really depends where they choose to apply it. I'm not sure how deliberate it was. Overall, it was an interesting approach. I'm not sure whether it entirely worked all the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm very glad that you brought up this idea between uh, Suresh's character, played by Arjun Tanaraju, as well as Aisha's character, played by Shuma Salihin. Um, I personally think those were my favorite scenes. Um, every time that it was just the two of them on screen, 
And the reason is because I think for me, uh, I know they've worked together before. And so the chemistry between these two characters felt the most real. Like it translated from page to screen, from theater to screen. It just felt like I was very much invested in the relationship and the friendship between these two characters. And I'm glad that, you know, because I think sometimes when we make Malaysian work, there's always this um, expectation that if a guy and a girl are friends, they have to fall in love and they become love interests. So I really appreciated that these two characters never fell into that trope. They were just friends. And it was nice to see a guy and a girl be friends. No, I love their relationship. I must say that while the film um, definitely spends more time on the family unit, I found that their friendship um, was what gave the the movie, I think, a little bit more... um, I think it's when we start warming up to Aisha as a character because we see her away from the things that are weighing her down in her family. And perhaps it also felt a little bit more realistic. I, I did think that the, the the cast overall was really, really good. I thought Fridaus Karim as the father was great. Uh, Nick Wahida as the mother, were, you know, both of them were really good. I'm not sure what it was. Perhaps they didn't Perhaps they just didn't seem old enough to be Aisha's parents. Uh, perhaps the way in which their scenes were set felt a little too stagey, which kind of prevented me from fully catching on to them the way I did with uh, Suresh and Aisha, which is not to say it didn't work, but I think that I connected to the family scenes more cerebrally. I enjoyed the conversations they had, but I connected to Suresh and Aisha more emotionally. Yeah, but I, and I think this is, this is such a good point, Sharmila, because we don't talk necessarily talk about the age of characters when we see them on stage because I think with stage we can do a bit of make believe and yes, things like that. Yes, we were willing to <laughs> overlook it <laughs> because I think if we had seen uh, Nick Wahida and Fidel Karim on stage, we'd be like, yes, they are her parents, perfectly fine. But I think when it's film and we get to see the way they carry themselves, the way they speak, the way they move through the scenes, the the make believe disappears a little because it's so in your face. We're reviewing Mantega Terbang, which is um, an independent film that is sort of making its rounds, being shown in various spaces. If you're interested to keep up with where you might be able to catch it next, you can follow their social media channels. Uh, just look up Mantega Terbang Movie. We'll be back after this to continue our review. Keep it here on Everyone's a Critic, BFM 89.9. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chintana. Brainy, fancy material. BFM 89.9. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chintana. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic with Sharmila. And with me today is Dinesha Kartigesu. And together we are reviewing Mantega Terbang. It's a it's an independent film uh, made by a lot of people involved in theatre. Uh, it's by Anomalous Production and Menking Entertainment. And uh, we've been talking quite a bit about the um, performances and sort of the experience of watching the film, I really want to get into the the plot and, and, and really the larger points that the film is trying to make because it's really this examination of, I suppose, identity and also faith, right? And, and that's not easy to do within this particular context. And um, perhaps the best starting point would be, um, did you find this a, a worthwhile conversation to be in? So I think it's tricky for me to answer that question. And that's, I think, coming from like, I guess, like my Hindu spiritual lens as someone who who has always questioned my own religion and my own faith. I think with that lens, I didn't necessarily leave 
with anything new, you know. Uh, but I appreciate it that these conversations are happening on film. And I think there's, there's an accessibility to film sometimes that theatre does not, that people can walk into a, wherever the screening is and catch it. And I think the questions that are being asked are important. I know the film doesn't try to give answers, but I think the questions in the right, um, I guess, with the right audience, I think it can be very, very powerful. Do you, do you think the questions were um, answered in any way, Sharmila? Or do you think the questions were as important as for who you were and who you are, where you are in life right now? No. So, um, well, no, that's not fair. I shouldn't start my answer with no. Um, actually, what I meant to say was, I think it's important that we're having these conversations. I think it's important that uh, creators and creatives um, are willing to push the envelope and, and put these things out. Um, and perhaps the mere fact that it is already difficult even to do that is why we're not quite there in terms of being able to provide concrete answers. Um, I think, though, that there is something to be said about um, collectively as Malaysians being able to watch something like this, which is why um, I think that this film, rather than have a cinema release, which of course would be great, and I, I do hope that the production manages that at some point, but I think really where this film would do the best is if in a space where it can then have conversation, it can then um, actually have conversations following it, you know, with, with a diverse crowd of Malaysians and people being able to uh, engage perhaps with their own questions about the movie, their own questions about other people's faiths, because um, that's one of the key points here, right? Like Aisha, as she tries to understand where um, her religion and her faith lies um, as she's experiencing her mother's illness, also wants to learn about other people's religion. And, and, and I think that that's sort of the heart of this film that would benefit a lot from having engagement and a two-way uh, relationship rather than just an audience passively watching it in the cinema. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. I, and I think because the film does try to ask those questions uh, and it goes to certain places that, you know, maybe as a Malaysian audience, you can kind of go, oh, I think that's a bit of a transgression. Why does this make me feel a certain mm. way? Why is this person doing this and doing that? Like this and shouldn't be that controversial to watch, yes. but it feels like I, I, you actually like tighten up a little bit because you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm watching this. Oh my God, they did that? Yeah. What? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that that happens. And and you it'll be hilarious because I think anybody who listens to this and then goes and watches the film will probably be like, what was Sharmila and Dinesha talking about? There's nothing. <laughs> but it's it's the small moments that you don't usually see um, in Malaysian film that I think that the film decides to go and sort of push the envelope a bit. And I think you're right, Sharmila. I think with a good moderator or a good panel, I think then the audiences will be able to unpack some things and understand a bit more on the choices that were made. What I do have perhaps um, a little bit of problem with, um, and, and of course, this is coming from a personal point, right? Because I'm Indian. I was raised Hindu. Um, and so I do think that when the film tries to go to the places that perhaps it's not as familiar with, or perhaps trying to tell narratives that are not that Malay Muslim uh, narrative, right? I feel that that's where it falters sometimes. Some parts of it don't feel as authentic. Some parts of it don't feel as well-researched. Um, and I think for a movie like this, I don't have easy answers because on the one hand, there's a definite straight story it's trying to tell. And I'm not saying it has to account for every other story. But if you choose to draw on another story, then I think you kind of owe it 
owe it to your audience to do it properly. And there were moments where I thought, mm, that doesn't feel quite right. Or mm, that, that could have perhaps, that's not an experience that I think everyone would have. Yeah, I, I I agree. And this this is when it gets tricky because if we look at, I guess, the the writing team, right? We have the the traditional Muhiba writing team, right? <laughs> we have we have uh, we have a Malay writer, Kairi Anwar, with two Indian writers, Arjun Tanaraju and Vishnu Varman. And then we also have Ti Teng Hoi, who is the, I guess the Chinese representative in this writing team. So on one hand, it feels like the the production has tried to cover its bases. Um we we do have to point out that they're all men. Um, that doesn't necessarily come across in any way in the writing of the film, but it I, it does bring up the question of um, how many varied points of view were allowed to be part of this creation, you know, and where where does it falter and where does it work? I think it also opens up an interesting question of um, when we talk about Malaysian cinema, how many films actually tell stories of multiple communities in the first place? How many stories actually include um, in a substantial way points of view, characters, um, stories that are not just homogenous in a particular way? And, and so far, I think by and large, our films tend to be, even our most celebrated films often tend to have fairly homogenous points of view. It doesn't mean we can't relate to them as Malaysians, but I think that Something like Mantega Terbang um, is is really only the um, perhaps first checkpoint in a path towards learning how to tell stories that are more integrated in a you know stories that that accommodate all of these things. And in that sense, I I appreciated what they were trying to do. Um, would I like to have seen it done better in some parts for sure? But I also really recognize that we might not even have a frame to know how to do it. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's also hard when you consider the fact that this is uh, this team's first work. This is mm. Kairi Anwar's first film, right? So how do you then judge a film? What metrics do you have, right? You can't exactly compare it to a Yasmin Ahmad film. Um, you can't exactly compare it to, say, Kairi Anwar's plays because they're all different mediums. They're all different creations. So that's also tricky, like what you said there. We have no metric to gauge it against. And like maybe it is, just like you said, the beginning of all that is to come when we tell Malaysian stories. So just to close off, recommend it? You would tell people they should check this out? Yes, I, I highly recommend it. Just really treat it like a potluck. Go and have some good food. There's no food. But as in like, <laughs> go have some good food. Go hey, and, having you know, food and a panel, not a bad idea. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I agree with some curry pop and nasilama. <laughs> and we're, we're running out of tangents here. But what, what I mean is that I think just treat it as a potluck have a imagine it as a conversation among uh, friends and strangers and leave feeling like a conversation is opened and if you enter with that lens i think you would appreciate the film i 100% agree i i also think um it's actually worth watching just to see I think just to see some really good performances, just to see some scenes that you don't get to watch on cinema very often. I mean, we we either seem to veer from the extremely indie, uh, grainy kind of filmmaking or the big budget, like, you know, Police Evo style. This is a, a look and a feel that you I don't think you get very often in Malaysian cinema. So I think it's worth catching. Thank you for reviewing this with me, Dinesha. Thank you for having me.
we are talking about Mantega Terbang, which is um, a film by Anomalous Production and Minking Entertainment. It's directed by Kairi Anwar and uh, they're doing screenings um, as and when. So if you'd like to keep updated on when you might be able to catch it next, you can follow them on social media. Just look for Mantega Terbang Movie. And do send your thoughts our way. Do you enjoy Malaysian cinema? What are some of your favourites? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. This has been Everyone's a Critic, BFM 89.9. Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chendana. For updates on Malaysian arts and culture, visit www.baskl.com.my. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.